Oi, oi, fitties. How we doing? It's Matty Boy, one half of Fit of Food, and I'm here with the stunner. Oh, thanks. Keris Marsden. Thank you. It's nice for you to say thank you. Normally she's like, oh, shut up. I'm fat and horrible. What do you wear? <laughs> I didn't <know> <laughs> Women are no good at accepting compliments. I know, I am trying to change that. You have to admit, I do say thank you now more than I... You do, only because I've been nagging you for about the last eight years. Yeah. Second a while. (laughs) That's just sinking in now. Oh, thanks. Yeah, finally, finally. Thank you, yeah, cheers. But do you know what? Part of me always thought it was a bit, um, like, as if it was, like, full of yourself to go, well, thank you. You know, like, I don't know why. But then I've noticed my mum doesn't. My mum always bats back a compliment. So I think I've just picked it up as a... Does she? A learned behaviour of her. Trait. Yeah, when especially when you don't, fe- you can't see it when someone compliments you. But we are with our membership site at the moment, saying to everyone, compliment yourself every single morning. Start your day on a high, and uh, yeah, well, funny, look in the I, mirror I and mean, go, "How are you doing?" <laughs> you can often tell like a genuine compliment. You know what I mean? As well, yeah, and, yeah, you can definitely. And you should accept it. I mean, when you, I mean, it's rare that you compliment me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want you get into but, a big headache. But I do always say thank you, don't I? Yeah, you do. You know, it's one thing saying thank you, one thing saying, well, yeah, I know. Also, it means it means <laughs> more if I... Well, yeah. <laughs> it means more if I hold back. <laughs> Just like, don't yeah, want to saturate it. Well, to it's kind of true. I mean, in all honesty, in a relationship... You know, you, you, if you kind of got just someone telling you how amazing and gorgeous you are all the time. Yeah, it would kind of lose it, its effect a little yeah, bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, you, you told me that eight times today already. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cheers. Cheers again. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you're right then. Keep me on my toes. You I look, like it. You look hot today. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Um, what were we talking about? Oh, we were going to talk about carbs today. Oh, um, yeah, good old carbs. Carbs, Good yeah. old carbs. Because we went to uh, Roost, Primal Roost, which is a very, very cool, um, I would say, Primal Paleo, would you call it? Um, yeah. Cafe uh, in, where is it? In Bagshot. Yeah. Sorry. And we went there to do a presentation, which was awesome. Uh, by the way, we are trying to get out and about at the moment so we can have some interaction with people. With <laughs> Not just each other. Not just Facebook friends. Uh, um, and speak at any venues that will have us um, free of charge. We don't want to, uh, we're not charged for it. And we've done quite a few this year, haven't we? And it's yeah. been brilliant no, to it. just have a meet up with people that we interact with on Facebook and um, online. So if you are or know of a venue and would have us, we'd love to come um, and chat away about functional medicine is, is kind of what we've been talking about gut health hormones you've been doing your thing on um sleep stress simplifying your nutrition keeping it simple yeah and anyway back to so at roost uh, a lot of the people there obviously because it's a kind of paleo focused uh, venue a lot of the people came and uh, it's, it's cracking food it's a great little health shop as well isn't there with mm. books oh, it's, a, it's a great shop You'd, I mean all the books and fermented spent, foods spent and things fortune, yeah though. it is a more fortune um, but obviously they kind of we they were all big fans of paleo but we talked a lot about kind of moving a bit beyond paleo uh, trying to know when it's working for you and when actually it's really become a bit of a ball and chain mm. uh, and an area that we mentioned a bit was carbs and carb phobia and I think quite a few people afterwards approached us and said you know I really think I've been stuck in this rut of believing carbs are making me fat and I need to bring my carbs up a little bit if anything um it's not having I don't feel like it's having any benefit to me anymore if anything I've gained weight you know these are various comments and I actually have heard these comments 
several events we've done I was going to say, like, you know, it wasn't like this was just unique to no, no, the presentation at Roost. Like, we get this question emailed to us, yeah. Facebook to us, like, all the time. Like, that it is the grand old question. Because, of, yeah, because the car- low-carb diet has been presented as the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely a, um, it's definitely what I would say kind of an intervention you could do. Um, but then how you, uh, it's not the solution, it's an intervention. And then what you do is kind of improve insulin health and then cycle carbs mm. back in and find what what we would say is like find your carb tolerance yeah. or um you know kind of what what would you know your carb maintenance be and so we thought we'd do this on the podcast today um in that like where do, where do you start with all of this because a lot of them said like where on earth i'm so almost scared of foods outside of the paleo list and um you know what carbs would you say i start with and these are yeah. kind of key questions weren't they well i mean it's um it was quite surprising <laughs> so to matt me. ice cream whitmore where would you start with your carbs <laughs> <laughs> well do you know I, I think it entirely depends on the individual and you know a big thing for us is like um you know carbs post-workout yeah. You know, so it's not even just what carbs, it's when. Yeah. Because we often find a lot of people that, that kind of make a transition, if you like, to a more paleo primal way of eating. And they make that common mistake of going very low carb. Yeah. Um, and it actually starts to affect their performance, you know, their, their training performance or their running or whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. And it has a knock on effect to their recovery, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always a good place to start, you know, like for us, is just to get people having something post-workout. When you say, though, a first thing I think is quite important, and I almost have to play health detective with clients a little bit, is actually acknowledging that you've become carb-phobic is quite important. So often you find people kind of saying, um, I do paleo or I do primal or I do low-carb diet and I love it, I'm getting great results. But then um, for me, when they've, they've kind of signed up to work with me, I'm like, well, why, why are you here then? Yeah. And then they well, I've stalled. Fat loss is stalled. Yeah. And I say, right, so we need a different approach then. Um, and often it takes a little bit of work for me to get them to admit that they are carb-phobic. Yeah. Um, and I have to kind of tease it out of them a little bit um and because i was definitely carb phobic uh, for a long time it's quite easy for me to spot the key signs um but one thing i have to do with everyone is reassure them of the role of carbohydrates so Mm -hmm. we've got uh, the body has the ability to metabolize or break down and use carbohydrates for energy and as you absolutely pointed out muscles especially you know love carbs to to refuel glycogen so we've got that mechanism in place uh one of the problems is our lifestyles can kind of um basically just you know, affect that so mm-hmm. that we can't use it effectively anymore. So we almost, we said in our first book, the phrase was something like, you've kind of lost the ability to use carbs for energy. Yeah. So they might be ending up kind of contributing to, to body fat, which yeah, is not what you want. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't mean that you never eat carbs again. It means that you improve your body's ability to use them for energy. And so um, training is a big aspect of that because then muscles will basically kind of hoover them up for for, for glycogen after mm-hmm. you've trained, especially if it's kind of intense, like your yeah. your little Facebook kind of workouts. and Any kind of formula like interval training, full body weight training, yeah. whatever. Absolutely. Uh, and it's imperative for, you know, for, for lean body mass in that sense. But also glucose has a, a fundamental role for the brain. So mm-hmm. um, I think the number, if I remember correctly, is about we use 600 calories of glucose calories for the brain in a day, which translates as 150 grams of carbs, I think. Yeah, so I think that's right. I'll have to go back and do the math on that. It's about 150 grams of carbs. Um, so that's kind of our basic need. Uh, but obviously, you want to make sure you can break those down and use them. Yeah. Um, 
not just kind of haven't been stored as fat. The immune system uh, needs glucose. It's very, very important as well. Um, the, like several functions and cells generally are adapted to use glucose as a source of energy. Um, so again, that's just to reassure people that they're, yeah. they're absolutely fine. Well, I think as well, like, don't get me wrong, like we've, we've certainly kind of built the fit food principles, if you like, upon paleo-ish foundation. And we kind of always have been paleo-ish, haven't we? Because even from day one, you know, we always still incorporate good quality dairy, etc. We've changed our stance on a few things over the years. Um, because as we've always said, like there's no absolutes when it comes to like health and nutrition, you know, and we know this all too well with the amount of people that we've worked with and the differences in what we might prescribe one to the other is huge, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And what they can and can't tolerate, etc. So I think it's easy to kind of like latch onto that whole paleo is a low carb diet and you make this decision that you want to be paleo, but then you've got some people that do kind of like commit to it kind of all guns blazing you know almost take essentially it's just a, you could say a slightly healthier version of atkins yeah um a bit more know, veg yeah <laughs> atkins with a bit more veg and no dairy um if you like and they'll commit to that but then they get into this this habit where they almost do see carbs as the enemy and that they, they pretty much can't have carbs ever again because it'll undo everything they've done and they won't be classed as paleo yeah and they start putting labels on things yeah or you get the other people that almost attempt paleo, if you like. This yeah. is in their heads. This is not me labelling it as that. That it's low carb, low to no carb, whatever. Yeah. But get carb flu. They can't sustain it. <laughs> yeah. So they'll do it for a few weeks. Don't go they'll... to the loo for two weeks. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't go to the loo. Don't have much energy. Yeah. But they do lose a ton of weight. A good chunk of which would probably be water. Yeah. You know, you take carbs away. You know, you're taking water away essentially. Um, but then. They can't sustain it and they have an absolute blowout and they eat a ton of carbs, certainly not the unprocessed variety. The weight piles on real quick. Again, a good chunk of that's going to be water because you've just, you know, just chucked a load of carbs at the body. Um, And And starved yourself probably. They'll do that a little bit and then they'll go back to it again and they're constantly going to this one extreme to the other because it's it's unsustainable. Either way, whether you're, you're attempting all guns blazing low-carb paleo or you're kind of dipping in and out it doesn't work long term it's not a sustainable option in our experience well the other key things i didn't mention um really was in terms of glucose and carbohydrates is gut function yeah so um you know uh, basically a a big thing that's coming out now is the gut uh, bacteria love kind of fiber and Mm -hmm. prebiotic foods many of which are in things like potatoes root vegetables um, and some of the kind of grains as well. So there's there's massive benefits to having those carbohydrates, which will feed and diversify gut flora, which are actually, as we now know, in all the studies that are coming out on mainstream media and TV, play a fundamental role in basically kind of body composition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got basically bacteria in lean people that we see. If you put that in obese people, it helps them to lose weight and it can be reversed as well. So the science is now looking at the the role that gut bacteria play and how important some of those carbohydrates are in feeding the beneficial strains, which will help with weight loss. Um, Just anecdotally, when clients do add the carbs back in and the fibre, they do start to uh, basically go... They get better bowel movements, yeah. which is really important when you have any kind of health goal. You don't want to be constipated. Well, to be fair, like you said, it's normally the number one complaint, isn't it? When yeah. people, you know, we, we often get a message and it starts with, I started uh, my paleo diet about a week ago. <laughs> I haven't been the loo. I haven't pooed for like four days. 
I'm really bloated, la la la. And then we go back and then discover that actually their version of paleo is this mythical and no, like, no carb. Yeah, paleo. and they're eating salad and some of the kind of non starchy vegetables, but often there may not be enough what my dad always used to call roughage. There's not mm. enough roughage in their fiber. Um, so obviously, there's that component of carbohydrates, which is essential. Um, one of the things that a lot of people do do is kind of go on a paleo diet to help with IBS. And what they drop out in doing so is things like FODMAPs, which is fermentable carbohydrates. And they instantly feel benefit to that because all yeah. the bloating goes away. But the low FODMAP diet isn't necessarily, again, the solution, just like the carb uh, ditching the carbs isn't the solution. It kind of means you've got, again, a bit of dysbiosis or bacterial overgrowth that needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. Ideally, go and see a nutritional therapist recommended or, you know, come to us. We can help you with this sort of thing. Um, that that you get rid of that bacteria and then obviously go in and, and kind of rebuild the gut with a good gut protocol. And then they can usually tolerate certain um, carbohydrates again. So there's that aspect. And then finally, there is... Um, so, and again, I'd say some of the people closest to me, because obviously we kind of wrote paleo primer and about how we use paleo as a template yeah and then we kind of get people to go beyond it and expand the variety of food that they have but even people like my mum i would say still is stuck in that kind of i'll just drop my the carbs gosh. out and eat your mum's so carb phobic <laughs> yeah. well she Car- isn't she isn't carbs are the villain she cherry picks eyes. she cherry picks you put, put a flapjack in front of her and it's She'll like smash yeah it. basically so she like her treat foods are always carby but she doesn't have carbs with her meal no, so but, and also as well, if she's having treat food, she tends not to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a complete. What's it called? Um, Oh, not. I was going to say like when you kind of substitute save calories for chocolate. If she's had like a bit piece of flapjack or two with a like mid morning coffee, yeah, she will normally like just she won't eat lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she'll go right until dinner, and it's it's always like the treat has replaced a proper meal. Displacement dietary displacement. I think that's what it's called. Sounds a bit more right. Yeah, technical. I think that's what it is. When you basically all women are nightmares for that, and like I definitely have a phases of that in the past. I used to actually save. I used to eat less dinner and save enough calories for a curly whirly after dinner. Curly whirly. Because it was 110 calories due to the holes. Do you <laughs> Lowest calorie time, chocolate bar you could ever have. I started putting more holes in them, little, to, you know. And we didn't know. Unknown to you. Yeah, maybe. To increase their profit And they got margins. it down to like 99 calories, and all the women go, oh my God, less than 100 less calories. Than 100 calories. <laughs> to be fair, they, they've missed out on an epic marketing <laughs> yeah. strategy right there. Yeah, Curly Whirly would be the best-selling chocolate bar in the world. The crunchies aren't bad either, because crunchies, with having the honeycomb, was a little bit less calories. And also, not that we're going to go into this subject. Very low fat. Yeah, that used to be my thing. Marshmallows were good for that. Back in my day, zero percent fat. In my days of being a bit of a, you know, when I went through my kind of like, no, no, when I went through my more like, you know, fat phobic -phobic, days. When I became really obsessed with training and diet and fat was the enemy. Yeah. Crunchies are like, oh, this is really low fat. <laughs> it's good for me. Yeah. You know, it's crammed full of sugar. No, that's it. See, that's the same thing with the um, big 0% fat on the front of the marshmallow pack. It totally sucked me in for years. I used to run about an hour and then finish up at Sainsbury's, get some marshmallows and eat on the way home. It's not a bad time. It's not a bad time. It's not a Shush. Is it? But you, 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 you didn't power. hear it from yeah, me. Exactly. Anyway, uh, what I was about to say was if you have a body composition goal or notice that your body composition is stalling or you might even gaining weight on kind of a um, high fat, low carb diet, it could be because actually um, we need 
glucose and kind of, well, more specifically, we need insulin, mm -hmm. uh, um, basically plays a strong role in the conversion of thyroid hormones. And obviously yeah. we know thyroid hormones are involved in the metabolism and kind of how we burn calories and, and energy um, expenditure and energy um, storage. So it's really important that we support that. And if uh, you have any condition that kind of has affected your thyroid, so you might have um, Hashimoto's, which is underactive thyroid, yeah. um, it's really important that you get sufficient amounts of glucose into your nutrition, yeah. else you're going to notice a problem. Um, and just a flip side to that is all these studies coming out on gene types, um, which are saying actually certain gene types don't do that well on saturated fats, Yeah. Uh, which would make kind of a low-carb, high-fat paleo a bit of a maybe not the right choice for you. So it's all about personalised nutrition and possible. I mean, forgive me if I'm going off topic a little bit here, but... <laughs> are you going to go back to the marshmallows? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a difference between the pink and the white? Yeah. <laughs> pink have got more antioxidants generally, so we, we tend to have 80% pink, 20% white. No, I was going to say, so a big mistake we often see as well, and, and to be fair, you know, I'm guilty of this, so I can't really say too much. Humans are very, are very extreme in most cases. And something that we see is people that decide, let's say they want to be more paleo, primal, low carb, whatever, they go from that extreme of potentially in a lot of highly processed carbohydrates, probably not enough protein and have maybe been stuck in the kind of like low fat brigade for a while. Yeah. And then they go to the complete extreme of almost eradicating carbs completely yeah. and just stuffing their face with loads and loads of fat, yeah. which in itself is just going to be a huge shock to the body because yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you know glucose is gone yeah it's been replaced with a ton of saturated fat which it probably hasn't really done much digesting of for who knows how long yeah you've removed fiber from the situation yeah yeah which is no good thing you know the one good thing that's probably has come of that is you've probably increased your protein intake yeah but it's for me but if you're also it, not hydrating enough then that could also be a problem well exactly but, <laughs> yeah. but my point is it's just it's almost too extreme yeah and you're almost setting yourself up immediately for failure because the body doesn't work like that you know it doesn't work so drastically in, in that sense so for us like if we're working with someone who has been eating a predominantly carb dense diet we're not just going to take the carbs away completely and just no. replace it all replace those calories with saturated fat no. and protein like there needs to be a little bit of method to the madness if you like which is why we always say just don't even worry about what you're getting first of all just replace the processed stuff with unprocessed stuff i was gonna say i mean in in second helping that was a big point um somebody requested a kind of where do you start with all this uh chapter and one of the points i made was replace like for like so mm. Like you said, don't go low carb, just kind of get good carbs in. So it's not kind of um, cereal bars, crackers, cereal, like the kind of really heavily refined cereals that you're seeing. It's more things like, um, ideally, we kind of say like source from nature. So it's more like potatoes, but rice, obviously, we've talked about quinoa. Um, any of the kind of good grains, even if it was, um, Tommy pretty much said this the first time we interviewed him, was like, even if someone just went from kind of, I don't know, like a really sugary cereal, milk, coffee, tea, to kind of having some oats soaked overnight, um, you know, and a little bit of 
um, that water and, and cook that and kind of have that. That's a different breakfast. That's going to have a different effect fiber-wise um, on the body in terms of surging blood sugar levels. Uh, some people, like you've just kind of said, if you've been fat phobic for a long time and kind of high carb, you're right. The digestive system will kind of be very well adjusted to that. Um, you might not have adequate levels of, of kind of stomach acid yeah. ready yet for, you know, people have very poor eating habits anyway, uh, but kind of for breaking down the protein. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have got, I'm seeing more than ever, um, people, so many people have had gallbladders removed. Yeah. Uh, then they switch to something like paleo and then obviously kind of the way that they're breaking down fats might need a bit of, of support because yeah. they'll feel incredibly nauseous. Well, we actually get a lot um, of uh, people saying, don't they, um, exactly that like, you know they've just started on like their kind of like uh paleo journey or whatever yeah. i keep saying paleo because i i know that most people recognize what that is yeah yeah what we're trying to say is that people make the mistake that paleo is a low carb diet and yeah, we're saying yeah. it's not but people make the mistake and then they're often saying that they feel really really sick you know after meals and whatever and it's just their, their body's just struggling to, to to break down and digest the fats right? yeah that's it they could need all sorts of things like we just said so digestive support liver support a little bit mm-hmm. um you know and and chewing chewing, chewing, chewing food properly. yeah it is kind of a um i mentioned to to you today i had a client this morning who i've been working with over a long period of time and what i love is she recognizes having tried to go down kind of um, these these very short fixes and 28-day transformation routes that she just needs support ongoing um, and that we, we're now kind of meeting every two months. And um, uh, she, it's funny because, you know, I kind of give her like one or two things to focus on a month now and it's working, but it's taken her a long time and she set herself a goal of kind of... Um, two years from uh, when we first started working together to get where she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs to do that, but she's had a kind of a lifestyle that, that's always been very stressful and busy and she struggles to take on change. And what she does is overwhelm herself even more and then gets anxiety and, you know, kind of uh, goes off the rails and then it's it's kind of guilt and stuff and she gets stuck in these cycles. So we're focusing on kind of like one or two things. And I said to you, it's a really nice approach when normally it's me trying to persuade someone to do that. Yeah. Uh, but she's kind of taken that on board and gone right. You know, I need to just start sitting down and eating my meals properly. You know, and that's yeah. what you know for one month I'll focus on that. But yeah, so just back to um, the carb things. Any changes that you make really drastically with the body, um, even kind of um, you know removing the carbs, but then even adding them back in, you don't want to kind of go too heavy too with it because again, you could be and you could actually be insulin resistant because you've been low carb for so long. So, yeah. So your body is down regulated its ability to kind of. Uh, use carbs for energy so then we can work both ways can't it because you you know if you if you consume too many carbs generally the the processed stuff you know the very high sugar stuff you can become insulin resistant yeah yeah take it away too much you yeah. become insulin resistant yeah so i would say like uh, my advice it's once you kind of have to accept that that's where you've got mm-hmm. to acknowledge that maybe you need to go to someone for a little bit of coaching to kind of get you out of that um, you know, and I'd definitely say for a lot of people, it kind of comes under the umbrella of orthorexia because they're kind of yeah. made these associations with food being well, healthy and I not clean. The second you label any of the macros as a villain, yeah, you, it's a, almost a, that in itself is a mild form of orthorexia. Yeah, yeah. You know Absolutely, what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of like you've said, it's more about establishing your need, your tolerance for the various various different macronutrient yeah. groups. And for some people, it's about scrapping everything you've ever thought about them and just trying to relax and and eat them um but first of all as matt said kind of well you were talking about kind of switching processed foods onto unprocessed foods 
Um, and equally, when I get people to kind of reintroduce the carbs, often they just feel more comfortable with it being from sources that they um, consider to be healthy. Mm. Um, so, of course, we start with if they're not eating the general kind of root vegetables, sweet potatoes, potatoes, uh, definitely start with those. Yeah. Um, there is a study which we mentioned about, um, I think we've definitely discussed this before on the podcast, about um, carb density of foods, yeah. which is a bit different to glycemic index in that it's looking how certain carbs are kind of structured in a cellular matrix. That means that they're broken down much slower by the digestive system. They release uh, glucose slowly into the into the digestive tract and they have a more beneficial effect on bacteria. Yeah. Whereas if we get too much... Um, kind of refined carb- carbohydrates, then it can actually create a, a, ba- a, a kind of less desirable balance of which creates inflammation, which creates insulin resistance, for example, and other problems. So it's kind of leading to weight gain in a way that you didn't realize it. It's not about how many carbs yeah, you're eating yeah. or the GI of those carbs, but really um, the ones that are like this, that, could, that, that are, are just being refined, they've been broken down into flour. Um, and a big thing I say saying to people now is just kind of limit flour, full stop. Mm. And uh, by that I mean tapioca, coconut, you know, like banana flour. Although some of these are good sources of fibre, yeah. um, I'm even the you know, potato starch was really cool in um, in Pegio World, and I did a, yeah, yeah. a presentation for the gut on, about it. Yeah, and I said I was always a bit dubious because when things become massive and we need to start chugging down like um, you know like gallons of this potato starch. For resistant starch yeah. which feeds gut bacteria i kind of think well how did we get this far in life without without having this powdered potato starch you know yeah, like, yeah. how did man evolve without this um <laughs> and it turns out that i've been following the gut institute which is a wicked uh podcast and they were saying actually it's not that great for for the gut at all oh, wow. and it will feed some bad bacteria so don't start chugging down that as fiber but if you want to eat um cooked cooled rice potatoes legumes they're wonderful because a lot of the resistant starch basically will stay in the digestive tract and feed the bacteria in the colon that's what's brilliant about it so it's not about calories here your gut bacteria kind of makes some decisions on calories yeah so um well speaking of calories (laughs) yeah there you go there (laughs) what i was going to say was because you know another point we wanted to get across isn't just people that kind of are maybe starting on a lower carb journey or you know it's it's those that are essentially probably been too low carb and have plateaued and don't feel particularly great and probably are aware that they need to increase their carbs yeah or we certainly feel that they, they need to increase their carbohydrates um, but something that you often see when people do increase their carbs, uh, what they don't actually do is is bring their fats down at all. Yeah, which which is which is why a lot of people make put on put on weight when they reintroduce carbs. Like I say, a good chunk of that is going to be water. But equally, if you're bringing your carbs back up, but you're keeping your fats the same, naturally your calorie intake is going to be higher. Yeah, because you know, let's not forget you know, there's nine calories per gram of fat. So what we would do when we work with someone when we're trying to bring their carbohydrates back up a little bit is we we bring their fats down a little bit. Keyword here is a little bit. You know, we don't go crazy and go, oh, we're going to bring your carbs in so you're going to go on a low-fat diet. It's a gradual kind of like like for like. We bring the fats down a little bit, we bring the carbs up a little bit, and then we go from there and we adapt it along the way. Well, that's why if you think 
I think a lot of people who've got the message about carbs from different paleo sources, because a lot of people are talking about this now, mm. have said, oh, I think I'm going to go back to having like um, kind of a sweet potato every meal and I'm going to have maybe try some uh, quinoa porridge. But because they're kind of still in that mindset of, um, well, saturated fats and coconut is really good, then it's kind of they're pouring coconut oil on porridge mm. Or, mm. Uh, or making their porridge with tin coconut milk. And I'm like, wow, that's that's quite a lot of carbs and fat at yeah. breakfast. Not that we're, I'm into calories like you, I'm kind of steer people away from that mantra but still I'm like this could be toppling you into kind of a you know bit of a calorie excess at this Mm -hmm. point and usually well it's like it's like we always say as well like you know fats and carbs together just makes it so damn tasty yeah yeah. you know you make it so hyper palatable yeah it's so easy to eat a lot it's like we always say don't we the classic example yeah mashed potato mashed potato with butter and salt (laughs) and ketchup yeah I I (laughs) I could eat more of that one than the the plain mashed potato. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, uh, no, no, I completely agree. And I think there's kind of a, it's, it's, that, it's striking that balance between them not becoming fearful of either. Absolutely. Um, and just Absolutely. kind of getting everything back into a normal, it's, do you know what, more than ever, I keep saying this, but you kind of do a full circle with your nutrition. And I always used to think, I know I couldn't get away with too many carbs, but I never thought, you know, having been low fat for years, mm. it, I, I never kind of threw a load of fat on anything either. Yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> but then you need to burn a lot more calories you than want me. Some fat with your fat. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. So, um, actually, like when I look at my plate now, I kind of, you just make sure, you, for me, it's like a little bit of both. Uh, but sometimes I'll favour a high carb meal and completely ditch fats, and sometimes I'll have more of a, a high fat meal because I know I've got to go for hours and hours and hours, and I don't want to kind of think about food. In which case, I'm not. Uh, I don't tend to have as many carbohydrates because yeah. I think carbs do kind of trigger a hunger in me. But in a sometimes that's what I need. Mm. Um, so I would say, just going back to if people are kind of moving out of that kind of strict template, my first thing would be uh, titrate up slowly. Don't just jump to like two, three hundred grams of carbs. Yeah. Uh, your body's not going to thank you for that. Um, and start with things like the the kind of ancestral sources. So that is your root vegetables. Uh, you can question whether white potatoes, sweet potatoes are or aren't, but I'd definitely get those in there. And I would say um, fruits and start with low sugar and just build up really gradually if you've not yeah. been having anything. And you could kind of do it so that you um, are around 100 grams of carbs. You might want to creep them up by you know, like 10, 20, that sort of thing a week. So very, very slowly if you wanted to. Um, And just let your body adapt very naturally. And as you said, if you are chucking coconut oil in your coffee, um, cream all over your kind of, Mm. um, in your curries and things, you might want to kind of bring those down a bit, maybe swap swap it for a yogurt, which is going to have a little bit of less fat in and a bit of olive oil or even bone broth for cooking is a great way of bringing the fat down a little bit uh, and using bone broth, which is cool. Um, and we've kind of said to people, start to use things like balsamic on your salads instead. Um, so if you're having kind of salad with a potato and, um, you know, there's going to be some fats in your steak. You don't need to always have yeah. more fats. Well, that, that was a big mistake I used to make because I'd often have like an absolutely ginormous steak that was probably twice the size of a normal steak anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of ribeye, so that's a fattier cut than, than like sirloin or fillet, for example. And you cook it in butter. And have it yeah, with chips. Cook it in butter, <laughs> have it with chips or cooked in coconut oil. Yeah. I might have a bit of avocado in that yeah. and salad and then pour olive oil over that. And then ice cream afterwards. <laughs> um, but, but my point there is, is that, don't get me wrong, if you was to look at that plate, you'd go, that's a really healthy plate of food. Yeah, it's yeah. all unprocessed. Yeah. It's all technically, I hate this word, but clean, as yeah, people yeah. call it, uh, which is, I just think it's the daftest word to describe a diet ever. But anyway, but the point was, I, and I knew this, I mean, I'm 
I'm a greedy, greedy man <laughs> when, it, when it comes to food. And yeah. I like my food. I and this, dad think you've got the FTO gene, oh, yeah, the, I've, the I've obesity gene. I've got gene. the FT5000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my point is, is that, you know, this is something that's quite recent for me, actually, isn't it? And in terms of getting on top of my portion sizes a little bit more because... Otherwise, we'd have to remortgage the house. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm saying, like, even though it was good scoff, I was eating too much in one sitting, too much fat for sure. Yes, I've never had a body composition issue, but that's, we're not just talking about that. I would often feel bloated after yeah. a meal. Um, and that could be, I mean, A, I think it was the fact that the portions were just ginormous, B, it was probably such a huge amount of fat to, to digest in one sitting. And C, I probably didn't take my time to chew the food uh, as much as I should have done. Um, because let's face it, some foods are harder to break down than others. Um, you know, so a, a steak, you know, you you want to chew, chew, chew that bad boy. Yeah. You know, and break it down. And, with it. Exactly. Whereas something like a bit of chicken, maybe, you know, might not be so harsh to digest. Um, as Keris mentioned, you know, anything that's been for a bit of a process and it's kind of half broken down already, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier to digest whilst not necessarily being that good for you, per, you know, for example. So that's something I've kind of been learning. So when I've got a steak, nice big juicy ribeye, and that's where it's at really for me, then I don't need the avocado. I don't need a load of oil on my salad. I might have a smaller portion of the chips and then just have a nice big salad with some, some green vegetables to, and actually it's a, still a really tasty dinner. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's no sacrifice there, if you like. Well, you have ketchup with it. Only homemade. <laughs> Only homemade, which if anyone has tried the ketchup from our second book, The Super Simple Speedy Ketchup, you will know it is super simple and speedy. You do make good ketchup. And it tastes actually. amazing. Which it tastes phenomenal. Actually came from my and demand. so good for you because, yeah. you know, the tomato puree in there, oh my good Lord, it's so nice. Very good for prostate health, Matthew. Oh, yeah, well, it's good to know. <laughs> Speaking of the book, there is a whole chapter in there where I did try and kind of give people a bit of a structure for the next bit I was going to talk about is grain-based carbohydrate, which is where a lot of the fear is. Yeah. Because of all the information on gut health and... Um, a lot of the kind of paleo um, arguments for limiting or uh, completely e-limiting, e- yeah, eliminating, eliminating, <laughs> eliminating, Elimin- Elimin- eliminating. It's late in the day. It's late in the day. Eliminating grains. Um, and what we tried to talk about was: there's always a question. What about amaranth? What about quinoa? Um, what about gluten-free? Those, those sort of things. The whole there is a whole chapter in there um, in the book with it, and same for dairy. I kind of did a scale of how you would start to introduce it and why. Yeah. But what I would say is this is very much an individual thing. Mm-hmm. So some people with autoimmune conditions were kind of saying, do you know what? Probably grains and dairy may always be a, a what we call a cross-reactive protein that may trigger yeah. the immune system for you. However, if you kind of work on fixing your gut in the background again work with a nutritional therapist, functional medicine practitioner, um, possibly you could have those foods in again because yeah. you work on um, getting rid, well, not getting rid, but, but rebuilding leaky gut and uh, calming down the immune system with an elimination diet, tons of probiotics, lots of fiber. Uh, you can change that profile of bacteria. We can yeah. make that difference. But, <clears throat> you know, some foods and a lot of um, autoimmune clients discover they may always have one or two trigger foods. Yeah. Like one client, mine is tomatoes, another one is nuts. Um, so, you know, there may always be something that kind of you just can't have again. 
Um, and you might want to keep trying at intervals. But Speaking of nuts. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me sort of finish the grain and then you can tell me about your nuts. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was in terms of the grains, you might want to start with uh, the ancient grains are believed to be a little bit better in terms of like your amaranth and your buckwheat, but they should still be prepared in a way. Um, so kind of um, soaked and things like that. Same with legumes. You know, if you soak the legumes or buy the legumes in water, cook them properly, you may find absolutely fine and, and make no dif- no difference to your symptoms. So yeah, um, I would start with those and kind of look for ones that you could make yourself first. Yeah. Um, don't kind of go out and start, you know, getting ready, ready kind of processed grains and bars made out of grains, quinoa bars and things and quinoa cereals and stuff. They, there's going to be a, an element of processing in there. So I'd stick with the basics. And if you feel you're fine with those, um, you don't get on with quinoa porridge, do you? We've tried that. Or buckwheat well, porridge. It gets on with quinoa. <laughs> really. No, anyone that says they do is lying. <laughs> I like it. No, you don't. I do. You don't. I do like it. No, yeah. I, I liked it when a friend of ours cooked it in, do you remember, broth and spices? Yeah. Do you remember that was nice? You like that. To disguise and quinoa. tomato. Yeah, there was like tomato puree in there. That was nice. You liked that. You said, I like this. It had like a jerk spice to it. The thing is with you is you've never even tried to make quinoa nice. You, yeah. I brought a ready-made one, like a kind of sachet one that you thought was awful. Yeah. I really like prep quinoa porridge. That's nice. I'll but admittedly, I do add a scoop of chocolate protein powder to it. So that kind of like is why I like it because it just tastes of chocolate. It doesn't really taste of what they yeah. wanted it to taste of. And I think like some of the quinoa salads I've seen in M&S, they're quite nice. They're all right. But yeah, you can't. You think it's awful, don't you? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried it a couple of times. It didn't. It didn't work. It didn't work out. And we tried buckwheat porridge. You weren't yeah, keen on that. Don't do it. No. <laughs> so you're you're a gluten free oats man. Straight up. Or just all the a, way. or the jumbo Winner. oats. Yeah. Just stick to what you know. Yeah. <laughs> and again, if you kind of feel, what I would say is, if you're rotating those grains as well, so try not to have the porridge every single day. You might want to try if you can't get on with the other types of cereals, um, as in the cereal grains like the the buckwheat or the quinoa. You might want to have fruit and yogurt or something like that for breakfast. It's yeah. a different carb-based breakfast. Well, actually, that's good. speaking of yogurt. Yeah. Because you mentioned dairy and reintroducing yeah. that, etc. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Because I had some de- uh, I had some yogurt and berries last night, didn't I? It was yes. like a bit of a dessert after my dinner. Yeah. And it was one of the 0% fat yogurts. Yeah. Um, and we get that every now and again. Well, you like it, don't you? Um, but sometimes when we're making recipes, like, we are quite conscious of, you know, whilst we're not necessarily huge on calorie counting, we are aware that, you know, it's easy to clock up a lot of calories in a meal sometimes or whatever. So if we're doing maybe like a smoothie or some overnight oats and... We're adding yogurt and other stuff. It can easily clock up the calorie count. So sometimes we might use zero percent fat because it keeps the calories in check a little bit, whilst adding the kind of texture and taste of like yogurt. Yeah. However, we've come to realise that I can't have zero percent fat yogurt because all of a sudden I'm I'll be playing a a little tune. <laughs> with, a little tune with my bottom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've noticed now this is the third time that I've, I've, I've done it I get woken up by a foghorn a little too <laughs> um, and you're like what was that um, that was normal percent the tune of but that was the that was always when I've had the whereas when I've had like full fat you know Greek yogurt or sheep's yogurt whatever 
I'm absolutely fine, aren't I? It's only yeah. on the zero percent fat. There's two things I want to say about dairy. So generally, we kind of always advise full fat dairy in terms of a whole food. You do want the whole fat dairy. Yes. Uh, we, as Matt mentioned, we're actually working on some different projects with uh, helping people to kind of carb cycle and do some other stuff. So we wanted to use low fat more as a kind of cooking thing to use for dressings and sauces. Yeah. Where we're not kind of um, on like higher carb days. Yeah. And, stuff. and so we, we've kind of been experimenting with that. But the thing is, often there is going to be higher amounts of this lactose yeah uh, i personally think it's a, two things with you it's the higher amount of lactose and also i'm not sure you do that well on cow's milk dairy but you will deny that because is the it, you equate that with ice cream and there's just no separating the two there as in no separating you from ice cream so well have you tried goat's milk ice cream is there such a thing i'm yeah, sure there is I'm sure there is you have. We had it. Yeah, we had it at farmers market. Yeah, right. But it's not that readily available. Not at eight o'clock on a Saturday night when you wander into the supermarket. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So just to say, if you find things like that not agreeing with you, um, it can be a couple of things. And for you, I definitely think so. But where have we got to now? You want to mention nuts? Nuts. Yeah, because I was going to talk about. Um, we've had a bit of a revelation, haven't we, with uh, our Scotch eggs? Or should I say, my Scotch eggs? Because we've started coating them in oat bran instead of ground almonds. The schools that was as well, wasn't it? Yeah, because we were trying to think of like really healthy kind of like snacks or lunches for kids at schools. And of course, nowadays, uh, most schools have an outright ban on, on nuts due to allergies, etc. Um, but we used oat bran, which is essentially blitzed up oats. oats. Yeah, Lots of fibre. Lots of fibre. And made Scotch eggs just as we normally do, but we coated them in the the oat bran instead of the ground almonds. And not only did it make them go nice and crunchy and crispy on the outside, which is lovely, but of course it brings the fat content down. It brings the calorie count down. Um, so you could say from that perspective, it's, it could be a better choice. Bearing in mind, you know, if it is like a pork meat. Scotch egg, which traditionally they are, you know, you've got plenty of fats there as well, as well as in the yolk. So do you need the fats in the ground almonds? Probably not. Um, you're certainly not um, going to miss out. So yeah, a bit of a winner, wasn't it? Yeah. And like you said, if you are kind of trying to bump up carbs and want to bring fat down a little bit, that's just a little tip. Yeah. We have we have some exciting new recipes coming out, don't and we? It's, and it's probably a nice side cheaper as well. Yeah. Yes, but also um, I've been doing some um, writing for uh, The Mirror, actually. They've been asking me loads about kids' nutrition, so it's been a cool um, experience for me that I've been trying to um, adapt some of our recipes to make them school-friendly. And we are going to have on um, very soon a podcast with the amazing Claire Harding, who's yeah. the Fitter Food family mentor in our membership site and she's helping a lot of mums kind of apply healthy principles yeah. to the whole family uh, whole family food and we've got and so she, much kind of like coming with that haven't we yeah but she also gives me so much insight obviously we don't have kids she has four but so much insight into things I never considered and yeah. a big thing about school food was she said it's got to be acceptable in terms of kids don't like to look um, you know, kind of a bit out of the ordinary in yeah. terms of what their choice of food is. Why, why, why is Daniel eating soup? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you freak. <laughs> so, but then she said it's got to be nice, a bit cold. It's got to be sometimes eaten quickly because they want to play football, so they don't want anything that's got to going to be faffy. That it's got to not smell too bad. Yeah. Um, all uh, these little uh, things that, that so, yeah that, that I had never considered, and obviously it's got to be nut free now for a lot of schools. And so she is going to be coming on the podcast talking about 
some great um, things that she does um, that, that she's been sharing, obviously, with our group. But things that, that you know, just solutions. She's always finding yeah. solutions because she really wants, Claire has psoriasis, that's autoimmune in nature, and she really wants her kids to kind of be um, predominantly eating a whole food, natural diet yeah. and not relying on processed foods um too much for for their main kind of nutrition yeah so um and it's incredible because they're actually getting really involved with it all they actually do yeah. videos and everything it's amazing um so yeah stay tuned that's either going to be the next episode or the one after and we've got loads coming with regards to uh tying in with you know like children's health uh obesity in children uh you know younger kids getting you know the rates of diabetes in young youngsters going up now um and also you know kind of tying in with the, the sugar tax thing etc etc we've got some really cool information recipes uh like downloads etc which we're going to be incredibly excited about launching soon um last point though i'll make just to to, to wrap up back to carbs yeah so are you allowed carbs before marbs? Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can have as many carbs. What I would say with the carbs, so um, I'm going to get used to a summary in a second, but my final point is most of us have a kind of sweet spot. Um, some people, if you're kind of what we might call challenged metabolically, mm-hmm. this might take you a longer time to get there. You may have to cycle carbs a yeah. little bit more. You have to backload carbs, so just carbs in the evening or just carbs post-workout, as you mentioned. Yeah. You need, you might need to improve insulin health with sleep, sunlight, sunlight stress management, um, and kind of fixing your gut first before you can tolerate them very well. If you're kind of what I would call a lot of people that ask me this question about carbs generally are going just this last half stone, which you could question whether there is a last half stone in yeah. some of those people. But for those people genuinely who feel they're on that last stone or half stone, um, I would look at um, kind of trying to aim towards about 150 grams um working towards that as a figure see how you are and then even creep it up a little bit more mm. so find your carb tolerance where possible you might want to balance blood sugar levels by using a glucose monitor as well it's like yeah. a little tool to find your carb tolerance if you go to fitterfood.com there is a put glucose monitor in the uh, search engine and there's an article on there talking you through how to do that and what ones we recommend um, so you could do that little experiment. Um, but that's what I would say. Don't don't fear them. Don't, like you said, don't vilify them. They're essential for thyroid, gut health, immune health, and brain function. So we don't want carb fog. Yeah. <laughs> carb fog. Oh, carb fog. Um, fog. Yeah, so that's it, really. I think that's 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 pretty much every well, point. I, I think you summarised that quite well. Yeah. Start well, with ancestral sources and then move into some, some whole food sources, as in grains, brown rice, black rice, red uh, rice. And, legumes. you know, just, just be a little bit aware that if you are bringing carbs up a little bit, that you, you know, to, to bring the fats down a little bit. Not a awesome. lot of it, just a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. So on the next episode, uh, we are going to be discussing... ACEs, which is very, very powerful, I think, in terms of health. So tune in. No, no, they've got got to tune in to find out. I think it's one of the most powerful components of any health goal that you might have. Interesting. Intriguing. Yeah. So you have to tune in to the next episode, which is what? Is it 73? 73. Well, you've built it up now. That was a right cliffhanger. Yeah. (laughs) It better be bloody interesting. Okay, guys, well, listen, thank you for tuning in. Um, You know, a little bit of insight there into, I suppose you could say, our genuine thoughts on what a a paleo or more natural diet should be, and hence the reason why we often describe ourselves as paleo-ish, because it is a good template, and but it is not a low-carb diet. Um, So... 
Any questions, as always, guys, please, please, please get in touch. Um, if you do want some more information about macros uh, so you can understand them a little bit more, how much is in what to get a better idea and maybe be a little bit more intuitive in your approach to nutrition, which is something that is a huge part of the Fit Food principles, um, then check out our book, Fit Food, A Second Helping. Um, there's a whole chapter on macros and adapting them to meet your needs as an individual. Um, and yeah, have a good read at the front half of the, uh, the book and of course have a cook, cook up a storm in the kitchen with all the recipes that are in there so if you haven't got the second helping already go onto our website or go onto Amazon fit of food a second helping and uh, get involved guys see you all over in episode number 73 goodbye bye